What's up, Hyperfast Nation? On this episode of the show, I sat down with a pro skateboarder who started a microbrewery, sold that, then got into real estate, now does storage, multifamily, has a couple of different funds, and he's got a big announcement actually at the end about a new change in his life. Welcome to the show, Mikey Taylor. Welcome to the show today, Mikey. How are you doing? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for being on today. I know you're super busy. Just had your fourth child not too long ago, right? Right, two weeks out. Yeah. So you're probably probably not sleeping much these days, right? You know, uh, we're sleeping okay. Uh, the new baby sleeps awesome, but our son, who's two, is going through the adjustment of not being the you know, mm. one getting all the attention. So that's been the hard part. Well, it's definitely exciting to have you on the show. We got a lot of real estate agents, real estate investors, but your background and how you got into real estate investing, I think, is pretty interesting. So why don't you just share with people the path you took in life to, to get to you know where you are with real estate investing? Yeah. So, uh, gosh, it all started for me. I picked up a skateboard when I was 13 years old thinking nothing of it. Uh, and it would basically change my future as, as what, at least what I thought was going to happen. Uh, fell in love with it. Uh, around 16 years old, my parents were really pushing me to get a job. Uh, I didn't want to get a job because I wanted to keep skateboarding. So I figured out a way to get companies to give me free product. And then I used that product to sell to the other skaters so that I was making some money. Uh, right when I graduated, I had an opportunity to start traveling the world with some of my sponsors. And... Uh, my parents did like that idea. They didn't like the idea of me not going to college. So I kind of just mentioned like, look, I have an opportunity that most people don't get. I could do this for three years, maybe four, go right back to school, and I could be right back on kind of the career path that uh, maybe is more conventional. Mm. And uh, my parents, uh, my mom specifically was like, okay, fine, if you're gonna do this though, you need to get help, at least financially. Like you need somebody to help you manage your money. And I wasn't even making money back then. I was making like 800 bucks a month. But my mom was so kind of concerned about me blowing it that uh, she introduced me to somebody 18, 19 years old who kind of spent time with me, helping me build out a financial plan, learning about budgeting, learning about investing. And then three years later, my career kind of just took off. And the industry as a whole started growing as well. So we actually started making money. And... You know, for the first 10 years, my plan was live like I'm absolutely broke, try to maximize what I can do in skateboarding from a brand awareness and income standpoint, and then put as many dollars as I possibly can into investments mm -hmm. so I could ultimately get to a point where my income coming from sponsors would eventually, you know, become smaller than the interest I was making from my investments. That was the plan. Just live like I'm broke to get to financial freedom. And then uh, right around, let's see, 28, 29 years old, uh, I started my first business. And I did it with two of my friends. It was a craft brewery down in San Diego called St. Archer. Um, we didn't have enough money to do the company, so we created a business plan. We went out, raised money, kind of from friends and family, launched it, and we became kind of really quickly one of the fastest growing breweries in California. Eventually sold our business to Miller Coors in 2015. And then from there, I started my current business, which is Commune Capital, and we're a private equity real estate firm. 
So we basically go out and raise money from investors. We take that money and then deploy it into uh, either storage units, multifamily apartments, or we have a debt fund as well. And that's basically the last 20 years that got me to today. Yeah, that's an amazing path. And, you know, I think it's sometimes a challenge for professional athletes to make that transition. So it was it was apparent that somehow it was like in it in you, you know, from an early stage, like you're, you know, getting the free, the free gear, selling it. Then you, you start the, the craft brewery and just go out and bootstrap raising money for it. Right. Like, like, was this, was this just kind of always in you or did you learn it from someone or, yeah, you know, that's how, a good, how did that happen? Yeah. That's a good question. Uh, I think it was always in me. I just didn't recognize it as a thing. Uh, You know, when we did the brewery, that's when I really started, like, noticing that I had a skill set that could kind of transfer or go beyond skateboarding. My my fear, and and the fear for me is really what drove me to this point, Uh, Mm. my fear is that I thought I had a talent that only applied to skateboarding. And with skateboarding, our, our, our timeline is so short that it was this idea of, oh my gosh, everything that I'm good at only pertains to this. This can only last so long. So everything after skateboarding is going to be bad. And that fear of what life was going to look like afterward is what kind of created the energy around figure this out now and figure, figure it out fast. When we did the brewery, that, that was the, oh my gosh, I actually have a talent that can be used outside of skateboarding. And from that point, kind of my perception of what was possible changed. Uh, and then my fear of, of the clock running out kind of went away, you know. Mm. What do you think was the biggest factor that led to the success, like your biggest superpower? Was it, you know, putting together good teams, identifying good opportunities, or right. or raising the capital, raising the money? A lot of people struggle with that. Right. Uh, well, I know what my superpower is, or I know <laughs> what my skill is, uh, and I think that's just one part of kind of, the total picture, like you're explaining. Uh, if, gosh, if I could take all of the things that like really attributed to it, I would say first and foremost, I wasn't scared of trying. That would probably be the biggest one because a lot of people don't ever get started. Uh, for me, I, I didn't worry about that. I was okay starting, and if things didn't work, I was okay pursu- pursuing it or continuing to to work at it. So maybe resilience would be a big one. Um, my skill set or, or, or something that just comes natural to me is I'm really good with people. I'm really good bringing people together. I'm really big uh, or, or good at encouraging people around me to kind of go beyond what they think is possible. And that really works well in the business setting because especially in the beginning, you're trying to get people on board when you have no revenue coming in, right? So I had this gift of bringing people in when it was a concept and then once we started moving it, I was really good at, at maintaining the energy to drive the total group forward. Um, I, I would say probably those are, are, are paired well. And then I, I've, I've always been good at seeing talent in other people. So being able to surround myself with the right team, uh, I think all of those just played a big part collectively. What made you get into real estate after, after the, the sale of the brewery? So I started in real estate before. Okay. Uh, the sale and it, and it was it was from so the the guy who my mom connected me with right I always say my mom it's my mom and my dad but they connected me with this guy Randy Randy uh, had a brother Jerry 
and Jerry was really big in kind of the private equity world. They had started a storage portfolio, and they were basically the only people I knew that were investing in storage units. And so they were the original ones that brought real estate to me. Uh, when they did, I didn't know much about it. it this was before uh, this was before business really took over. I was just a skater trying to get to financial freedom and really listening to at least what Randy was doing in my life. And he basically broke down this concept of this is how we invest. And at that time, they would buy uh, kind of vacant buildings or, or big box retail that was going vacant. So like Walmarts, Kmarts, Bed Bath & Beyonds, and they would fill them with storage units. And so they went through this concept with me of like, look, we buy something at a discount. We try to buy it at a discount. We fill it with storage units. We lease it up. And when we do that, we're adding all this value to the asset. And then everybody gets to participate in larger returns than if we would originally bought just a stabilized building. And I don't know if I really understood it. I just was like, okay, this sounds cool. Here's some money. And it was a little bit. It wasn't a lot. And then once I started seeing it work, I started getting quarterly dividends. I was like, oh my gosh, I love real estate. This is awesome. <laughs> and, and then as I got older, the, the reason I really, really started getting behind it at, at least for what I was able to at scale was it accomplishes something that, that athletes are really trying to tackle. And that's for us, our highest earning potential typically is, let's call it 20 to 30, right? And in the 20 to 30 age range, that's typically your wealth build. That's when you're trying to grow it. And with real estate, it offers the wealth build with appreciation, right? But we know that <clears throat> wealth build has to move over to cash flow so you can truly get to a point of financial freedom. And for us, we're trying to take kind of control away from sponsor and put it into our hands. So I liked the idea that I was able to capture both of those with real estate with kind of an appreciation or wealth build moment and then cash flow to follow, which allowed me to stop being so reliant on my sponsors. Hold that thought for a second. Did you know I've been involved in developing and building hundreds of homes? And did you know that we take partner investors in our deals? If you want to learn about new opportunities that we have for real estate investors, go to my Instagram account, it's the Dan Lesniak, and send me a direct message. Again, if you want to learn about my next opportunities for real estate investor partners, go to my Instagram at ddanlesniak and send me a direct message. So did you follow in the same path after the brewery sale? Did you start buying things that you could turn into storage units? Yeah, really good question. So basically when we sold the brewery, uh, that, that was, I had never made money like that. I, I, I paid more in taxes than I had ever earned in one year prior, maybe collectively. And what that let me do was it let me invest at a, at a larger amount. So after the sale, uh, I started investing more dollars into storage. Uh, it took me about a year to figure out what was next for me following the brewery. And I, I actually struggled with what, what the next business was. It, it took me some time to figure that out. I got to the point where I wanted to create what was going to become Commune. And uh, I didn't do it in storage. The first platform we started was in uh, with apartments, multifamily apartments. But I wanted to follow that same idea of how could I buy something at a discount and repurpose it or build it into something that is desirable, add value myself or force appreciation so that I could get a higher return. Uh, and then I picked apartments at that point because it felt a little bit more creative for me. 
like storage storage has been amazing for me i love storage it's been such an amazing investment but storage is a little bit boring right you're coming in and you're you're building a bunch of garages <laughs> on a property <laughs> where with apartments this is where people live this is their home so you have an ability to add way more creative kind of input into the creation and coming from skateboarding skateboarding is more creative so i, I was actually naturally drawn mm -hmm. to that because i felt like i could involve more of my skill set in that asset class and then basically years later uh we ended up merging companies with the company i was investing in with storage so storage became one of our platforms years later during this merger what what areas do you invest in now is it storage you know apartments multifamily other things yeah our two like two primary drivers right now are storage and multifamily and we, we follow kind of the same same lens for both it's it's repurposing or redeveloping let's talk about raising capital i mean you obviously did this for the brewery friends and family but how did you scale that so that you could build the companies that you've built now how do you like how do how do you scale the, the capital raising yeah capital raising's uh it's one of those things it's hard um basically it, it, with the brewery the 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 brewery we raised our first raise was about two and a half million bucks which was psycho for us that, that was I, I didn't know how we were going to raise a million uh fast forward to today uh we we raise millions of dollars in, in one hit. It, it, it's a different thing, and it took time to get there. Basically, how you end up doing it, let's consider that the investment is good. You have to have the, the right product that you're introducing to an investor, right? Let's say that's a good investment. Then it just becomes, how do you build your network so that you have a large enough lead list of investors to capture the maybe 10% that are going to say yes, right? And then when you do it, you start learning new skills. Like, how do I pitch the investment? And the pitch isn't what says yes. It's the follow-up that says yes. So you start kind of understanding that the magic is in the follow-up. And mm. after, you know, more and more time doing it, you just capture a higher percentage of people that say yes. And you're able to do higher dollar amounts because of it. I think that's an interesting thing on follow-up because I find that, common in you know multiple industries so yeah i've i raised capital for some of our local dc development but the follow-up mm. is something that it's important there but it's also important and something we emphasize and teach all of our real estate agents right. you, like i think follow-up is probably 90 percent of the sales like it's it's very rare that someone takes action right on the first time like would you it's, Would you it, tend to agree? It's very, very rare. And you have to learn that. I had to learn that, right? Like, I'm I'm not a, mm. I was not a natural salesperson. So, like, I would go out and raise money, and I'd be like, I'm great at pitching it, right? I felt like I was a good storyteller. So, I would leave the pitch, and it was exciting, and they're like, this is amazing, and it's high fives. And then I would leave, and they wouldn't follow up with me, right? And even in how I would reach back out to them, it was a very weak approach because I was concerned about bugging them or I felt like I was nagging them and I never wanted to be that because a lot of times our perception of salespeople are they're so aggressive and they just beat you to the point of you saying yes and you kind of regret doing so, right? I never wanted to be that. So I had to kind of learn <clears throat> the, the, I had to learn how to follow up 
and remove some of the insecurity I had of mm. you know the fear of becoming something I didn't want to be and understanding that I could sell something and I could follow up without being the guy who's you know <laughs> punching you into a yes but uh yeah the follow up is everything I would say once in a blue moon you pit somebody and they say yes here's my money everything else is a reach out and it's a it's a strategic point in which you need to follow up everything you communicate from that point has to be uh how would you say it built in a way that creates action in a sense uh and for me a, a big thing and how i learned this was the book persuasion i, I started mm -hmm. reading books on how to communicate to get somebody to say yes because i didn't come from sales all of that was really helpful how do you balance you know, following up and staying in front of them without being the annoying pest. Right. I mean, right. What's, what's the art in that? <laughs> right. So uh, the first thing I had to do is I had to shift my mindset that I wasn't bringing somebody something and asking for them to help me. Right. I was bringing them an opportunity. And when I realized that was when I started dealing with way higher net worth individuals. And the way they looked at opportunity was different than at least what I thought people did. And they would look at the opportunity and very quickly, they would say yes, or they would say no. They would tell me why if it was a no, and they would ask me to send them more if it fit their bucket. So I started realizing that when you have money, you want opportunity presented to yourself. So just that shift of I'm bringing you an opportunity, I'm not asking you to help me, was a game changer. And then in my follow-ups, the, the thing that gets people to act is not the dream or the idea of what you're presenting. The thing that gets people to act is the fear of missing out. It sucks, mm. I don't like it, it's reality. People feel like if they miss out, that's what gets them to basically make it happen. So what you're trying to do is, without having like a, uh, like a, how would you say it? Without, I gotta think of the right way to say this. You don't wanna fake it, right? A lot of people will say like, Everybody's getting in, this investment's gonna close, you're gonna right. miss it. If you don't have dollars in, that's gonna bite you in the butt, right? But what you're trying to articulate is this is a great investment, and I think this is gonna run out, and as people are committing, your follow-up needs to be, we're 60% of the way there, we're 80% of the way there. This thing's gonna be full in the next two weeks. And when people see other people investing, which ultimately builds the trust in their end that this is a good investment, then they start acting and then you start closing. I, I, I like that point of, of artfully creating the fear of missing out right. and yeah, you can't, you can't fake it or you're going to get exposed people, at some point. Yeah. Everything's going to fall apart. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, what do you think is important after, you know, the people have written the checks and, but before the you know distributions or the sale at the end, or, you know depending on what it is, like what what do you do during that period that you think helps keep people excited and and makes them reinvest? You know at the at the yeah you know end of the project. That's a really good question. So if you're not if you're not raising capital for an investment that cash flows day one, right? You have to do way more work in the interim until that moment happens. Uh, what we do is communication is key, right? A lot of times when somebody invests as a passive investor, they feel like they're in the dark, they don't know what's going on, and when they have that feeling, they naturally think something's not working. Even if everything's going well, that, that's kind of the inner feeling. 
So we do basically quarterly updates. We do them video format. And even in between those quarterly updates, we're trying to send out some messages of, of maybe things that are happening. The challenge is, and it's also the beauty of real estate, things kind of move slow. It's not like the stock market. You're not having like a, a headline hit you every morning. So I think it's really good one to uh, articulate what the experience is going to be like before somebody invests, right? Mm. So when you know when you're pitching, a lot of times we have a. I say this as people who raise money, you you want to get people in. So you're like trying to like tell them how awesome it's going to be, and you can get yourself in trouble because you can paint a picture of something that's not reality. So what we found is better is to just say, look, this is the opportunity. This is going to be the experience. And what we've seen over the last however many years you've been doing this is during the first couple of years, there's a not, not a lot that happens. So a lot of times investors will have this feeling as if this is not working. So what we do to combat that is this, 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 and this. And if you ever have questions, please feel free to reach out. And then what we see is at year three, when maybe mm -hmm. the building starts cash flowing, then investors start getting excited. But the first couple years, you are going to feel as if, is this working? I'm not seeing cash flow. And naturally, people kind of uh, think cash flow means success, when, which is not true. So you just have to basically explain that to them. Yeah, I, I think the the constant updates, the constant communication, you know, if they're not getting the reinforcement from right. money in their bank account at regular periods, right. like they need that from you as a sponsor. Right. And then and then another big one for us is social media. That that one's huge for us. And so if you can get investors to follow you on social and your social is a daily kind of content hit, that definitely helps build that kind of trust or that relationship through that interim of, of them seeing you once a quarter. So I would say that plays a big part in that trust build. Hold that thought for a second. Are you a new real estate agent looking to jumpstart your career? Or perhaps you are an experienced agent looking to build and scale and get to the next level. If you are, I've got great news for you. After building and scaling multiple real estate businesses, I am now taking my real estate team to all 50 states. In fact, it's going to be international. I'm going to offer cutting edge technology, training in lead generation, team building, investing, and additional opportunities to build revenue streams. If you are interested and want to learn more about this opportunity, send me a text message directly to my cell phone, 703-638-4393. Again, text me at 703-638-4393. Well, switching gears to social media, because I've, I've seen your stuff like all over Instagram, TikTok. What what do you think is important in general to, to anyone who has a business or is in sales or, you know, trying to get in front of investors? Like how how do they use social media? What what should their strategy be? You know, it's August 2022. Right. Right. So uh, look, whether you're in sales, whether you're building a business, what is very difficult, especially in the beginning, is brand awareness, right? You might have the best product, the best, best service. If no one knows who you are, it doesn't matter. No one's going to buy it. So you need to get your message out there, right? And you can do that in multiple ways. You, you can do it through entertainment or you can do it through education. I, th I, I think those are kind of the two big, or you can blend the two together. The path that I took was education. I wanted to create content that 
added value to somebody. I, I didn't, the, the entertainment one, uh, maybe because I didn't think I was as good at that, it's just, I stayed away from that one. Uh, there's no right or wrong, but you, you've got to pick what your lane is going to do, or what your lane is going to be, and then you just get at it, right? For me, if we're talking about the entertaining stuff, or, or if we're talking about the education stuff, how I'm trying to package it is in a way that a Gen Z would stop and listen, right? I, I, I try to package it for the youth. Because I think if you can capture the youth whose attention span is this big, then you can easily capture the millennial or Gen X or especially Boomer, right? All of my energy really right now is put towards TikTok. That to me is the platform that you should be putting all your attention towards because it's the most current platform that's attracting all of the energy, right? You've got Instagram trying to become TikTok. You've got Facebook trying to figure out who they are. If all these companies trying to figure out things because of what TikTok's doing. So put your energy and they're towards- they're copying TikTok too. They're it, exactly all, right. They're copying Reels, YouTube Shorts. It, it's like, exactly yeah. right. So I would put all your energy towards TikTok and this is what you need to think when you're creating content, right? Because a lot of times we go, like if you're gonna create value, you're gonna say, okay, the more value I add in this piece of content, the better it should do. That is not how social media works, mm -hmm. right? You gotta think of it that, like here's my phone, right? You, you, these kids are scrolling like this. Right, and you've got to capture them in a millisecond. So the hook, or the first two seconds, is the most important thing you do. Then what follows is this kind of slow rope idea of keeping them entertained the whole time, and then you leave your value at the end. So you, you've got to think like, I've got two seconds to stop them, and then I've got to keep them there for nine seconds, and then how do I capture them <laughs> for the 15 or 30, right? It's like a, it's psychological, yeah. you know, um, but it will change your entire business. It, it, it is insane what it can do for your company. I love that. That's an amazing piece of advice and certainly one I'm going to try to you know, emulate more on TikTok. And if you're listening to this, uh, get on that platform, follow Mikey's advice. It, it works. That's all I can say. I've, I've, I've seen it firsthand in, in my business, you know multiple other people as well uh before we wrap up i always like to end with a hyper fast round if you're ready for some rapid fire q a okay let's do it all right what's your biggest piece of advice to a new real estate investor man this is supposed to be rapid fire that's a really good one <laughs> uh you you have to you have to commit for the next decade don't look at this as a test run and if things go well, you stay in it, you, you will be out. That's not how this works. Most people do that, that's not how you succeed. Have a 10 year run at this thing and do not stop until you get to that decade. You'll end up being here longer than everyone else and then making more money than everyone else as well. What's a common mistake that you see experienced investors making? It's guys greed. It's the control of greed. Mm. Unfortunately, greed's a powerful one, and greed will make smart people make poor mistakes, and then that means you're losing money. All right, we've all heard the quote: uh, "Be be greedy when people are fearful, and fearful when people are greedy." Uh, right now, is this a time that people should be fearful, or should they be greedy? People are fearful right now, in my perspective, because there's uncertainty. And when there's uncertainty, it means there's opportunity. So recognize where the energy is and that uncertainty gives you an ability to have leverage and to negotiate prices down to get yourself a better deal. 
Where do you see yourself 10 years from now? Gosh, rapid fire, dog. <laughs> Come on. Uh, 10 years from now? Uh, wow, that's a really good... So, oh man, this is going to... I'm, I'm, I'm making a first step of getting involved in my community. I'm, I'm running for city council right now. And so uh, 10 years from now, what I hope to do is have our business hit the goals we want to do and make the impact that the business is making, make the impact I hopefully uh, can create in the community or the city, and also maintain the, the responsibility and leadership that I have to be a good husband and good father. Uh, so 10 years from now, I hope to be making 10x the impact I'm currently making today. Awesome. Last one. What's the biggest challenge you've had in real estate and what did you learn from it or how did you overcome it? <sighs> biggest challenge I've had in real estate. Uh, I would say the biggest challenge we've had in real estate has probably been the last four years, uh, which has also been the biggest growth our company has had, but it's been hard to find good deals. And so I would say the biggest challenge is uh, not giving up on your buy discipline because what, what we've experienced the last four years, we're looking at like 70, 80 deals to put in one offer. Putting in mm -hmm. one offer doesn't even mean you're getting the deal. So I would say the biggest challenge we've had is recently just maintaining our, our discipline. Now we've done well at it. it. It didn't end up becoming a mistake because I have good partners that hold each other accountable, but Dude, that's been, the last four years has been hard as an investor. This has not been easy. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. If people want to learn more about what you're doing or connect with you, what are the best ways they should do that? Uh, I would just go on social media, pick your platform, search Mikey Taylor. Uh, I'm verified, I think, on almost all of them. So I'll be first on the list and then reach out to me. You'll find everything from the, the platform you pick. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. To all of our listeners and viewers, thank you for tuning in. Please share this episode with other people that you think would benefit from listening or seeing it as well. And we will see you next time. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure and go to hyperfastagent.com to learn about upcoming in-person and online events. And don't forget to share this show with someone that you think could benefit from hearing it and make sure you subscribe on YouTube or anywhere that you can find podcasts. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Hyperfast Show. Subscribe to us if you want to make sure you get the latest and greatest Hyperfast shows. And remember, we love reviews. Reviews help us bring better and better guests and improve our shows. So give us the good, the bad, and the ugly. We hope you enjoyed the show and we will see you next time. Hey guys, thanks for sticking around to the end. I hope you enjoyed that video, and if you wanna see more, click right here. And if you want 100 real estate tips from my best-selling book, click right here to download them instantly. And if you're new to this channel, click below to subscribe